Hello from Yerushalayim and Beit Shemesh. It's Benjamin Rose and myself, Dali Gutentag, with Mishpacha's Homefront, a series covering Israel's biggest conflict in a generation. Benjamin, hello to you. Hi, Dalia. How are you today? I'm doing well, Baruch Hashem, and glad to see that things, as you said yesterday, seem to be getting back to normal everywhere. Here in Beit Shemesh, they've not built any more bomb shelters for the schools, but the, the local authorities have decided that you don't need them. Kids can go back to school anyway because we only have one or two missile attacks a week. So that is very comforting. So, Vinyamin, do you want to take us away with first item of the day? Uh, Gedalia, I just wanted to make a quick comment because last night, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu spoke out about the conflict for the first time. And many people feel it's long overdue. I happen to be one of them who also thinks it was long overdue. I thought it was interesting because normally when he gives a message to the public, on uh, all the television stations, which is also carried on the government press office network. He's usually in a blue suit uh, with his red tie. Last night, he looked like uh, uh, Vladimir Zelensky from Ukraine. He was wearing just a black shirt or t-shirt and acted as tough and in control as he usually does. And he came out and he said that there is going to have to be responsibility taken for what happened. And he said, and I'm one of them that's going to have to be called to uh, be responsible. But he said only after the war is over. And then it's interesting that shortly thereafter, I wouldn't say that the ground invasion started, but uh, we did make an incursion into the northern part of Gaza. I think you have some more information on that. Yeah, but let me just back up a bit, actually. The, the imagery thing is actually you've noticed the black shirt. And it was kind of hard to miss that uh, at the beginning of the war, the first pictures and the first footage you have out of the war cabinet, you have sitting there three men in black. Right, we have Netanyahu change the black shirt, Yav Galant, defense minister, and Benny Gantz, all in black shirts there. It was widely, you know, some eye rolling, but yes, there's very much image projection of this is the wartime garb for, and it was almost like the first decision of the war cabinet was, that what shirt do we wear? I mean, obviously it's more serious than that, but there is a sense that this is, this is the wartime look, as you said, Zelensky's olive shirts, they have black shirts, but over here. I would point out to one other thing which I note in the speech, which there's been a lot of talk, as we've talked re repeatedly in this program over here, about the fact that, is this thing actually going to go ahead? Well, last night he actually said, yes, for sure it's going ahead. He used the words, we've got to annihilate Hamas, both in terms of, I looked it up, military and, and governance, which means in for a long struggle. And very importantly, the international media picked it up that he did not give any ground on the calls for ceasefires and that type of thing. Uh, and I think Israelis in general are going to have to bibby Barosham is going to have to hold the nerve and ignore the absolute international howls, which was going to reach very high volume soon. And, and literally for the first time say to the international community, our citizens count more. Uh, we count more. I was simply not going to give grant that this is our lives or it's theirs. We're not listening to you. But about the going into Gaza, we don't have information. We know, as you said, there's been these probes and stuff. And I think I'd note that happened last week as well. They're going in. What I think is one of the key things, and that is different media outlets are picking up on, is the threat of the tunnels. What they're going to face inside is, is tunnels. And during the 2021 war and round of fighting, we became aware of what the military call the Gaza Metro, which is a network of tunnels, many of them with electricity and they have communication systems inside. It's a vast network, subterranean network, and it's going to be a totally different type of fighting, essentially a vast military engineering effort. And, and I've been seeing various things down there that's reported, you know, the use of robots and different things. What we have to understand is how difficult this is. It's not just house to house fighting, it's house to house fighting in order to ensure the entry points 
for the tunnel to tunnel fighting. And I think we're going to set this apart probably from any form of warfare that certainly Israel has known, but most across the West. But you know, your memory stretches back to, we have the Vietnam War, right? Did the Viet Cong not have a, a, a vast network of tunnels? Is that a military point to military comparison that's been raised? The Viet Cong certainly fought one of the most successful guerrilla wars that we've ever seen. And it was something that the U.S. was unprepared for at the time on a lot of fronts. They were unprepared for the sabotage. They were unprepared for what they now call roadside explosive devices that were rigged. And uh, yes, the Viet Cong, they hid in the jungles. They hid in, I wouldn't say in rivers, but they hid in river deltas. And they only came out and attacked when they knew the turf better than what they called the invaders. And all of the U.S. firepower and bombing didn't really uh, make a dent because they, they just couldn't fight people who knew the turf and also were highly motivated. And again, I think that's something that, you know, has been lost in the shuffle that, you know, Hamas and Hezbollah, they're highly motivated. They, they hate us. They want to destroy us and they'll do anything to do it and they'll, they'll hang in there to the bitter end. And this is what we have to be prepared for. Uh, one thing I want to add to that on a, on right. a totally different note is I keep seeing these uh, articles, especially even by Israeli think tanks, talking about that, uh, and I'll just quote one from uh, the Begin Sadat Center, which happens to be a uh, institution that I've covered many times and have a lot of scholars who I respect. And yesterday they issued a report with the, the executive summary in the final line saying defeating Hamas must ultimately mean not only its military destruction, but the empowerment of a moderate Palestinian alternative. Excuse me, but what moderate Palestinian alternative? There is none. We have to get over this, and this is very important because a lot of misconceptions have driven what's happened to us. Again, one of the misconceptions I just mentioned that, you know, we don't take into account the will of the enemy and how much they hate us and despise us. A second misconception is the idea that there are moderate Palestinians out there. If they are, they're not in power. And uh, again, this also uh, relates to how we have to deal with the Biden administration. And we have to tell them that right now, I'm sorry, we don't see the end game. We don't see moderate Palestinians. We need to do what we need to do, and then we'll sort things out after. Right. Uh, Binyamin, it's actually interesting. I saw that from the Begin Setup Center. I, I scanned that headline, and and uh, and I thought that might might be behind your thinking on the subject and driving it. And I have to add that I disagree with the, I think they in the executive summary, the idea they, they raised that it will give us the political legitimacy to do what we have to in Gaza if we indicate there is an end game and there's a day after solution for the day after. I disagree with that premise entirely because we know we've heard this story so, so many times, right? Do you remember it was Sharon in 2000 when he took us out of uh, Gaza in 2005? He said, he said, this will give us the room for maneuver and show the whole world that we're serious and, that, and they will never have any more complaints. And yet here we are, uh, and the world's blaming us for ruling over Gaza. We don't rule over Gaza. So I think we can forget the legitimacy. Those who want to hate us will hate us. But I do want to point out this dynamic. The reason why Israel, the reason why Israel and Israeli society and all, whether it's left or it's right, fell into this paradigm that we can retreat behind high walls, high tech walls, et cetera. Let nobody say to you now that we thought differently. Nobody. The only consensus in Israeli society from left to right was that there was no real thing to do about Gaza. And for that reason, that's how we arrived at this situation, precisely because of the lack of a political horizon. Because even those who said, we want to reconquer the Gaza Strip, well, what about the day after? Besides those who said, let's put the issue in back there, which was only a very, very small minority position, no one had a solution for the day after. They, we did not want to be ruling it. So I think that this idea 
has this idea that you're raising that is the political solution. We need a political solution. That has bedeviled and, and, and triggered this entire last 20 years of Gaza policy, which we now see has ended in disaster, precisely because there is no solution. But, but as you say, Benjamin, I think now we've our backs to the wall, been forced into it. We actually need to do it. We don't know what the answer is going to be. That's what I would say. So if we don't know what the answer is, then don't answer a question that you don't know the answer to. That's something I was always taught. But uh, to end on a positive note, I just want to mention two items that now iPhone has just joined Google Play in blocking access to Hamas channels that are downloaded through Telegram, which means that Hamas is having trouble spreading their message. Not only are they having trouble spreading their message, but intelligence reports that are looking into Hamas are indicating that they themselves realize they're having trouble building and maintaining support on the Arab streets. And this was something they hoped would help them. They hoped that millions of supporters would turn out in force in uh, Arab countries and also in uh, other countries where there's a lot of Arab expatriates and it's not happening. And this is something that uh, we also need to keep in mind also, because if there's no real support for uh, Hamas anywheres, then that should give us more freedom of action. And right. that can only uh, help because again, for us, it's not only to destroy uh, Hamas and their capabilities, but uh, we want to do it with the limited uh, risk to life uh, of our soldiers and, and also our citizens. Thank you very much for Benjamin. That is indeed a bright spot. We're going to conclude the week and wish you and the listeners good Shabbos, peaceful Shabbos, and hopefully better news next week.